0: Over the last year at Family of Grace, you've welcomed us into your home and you've allowed us to be a privilege of being part of your life. As we've began to develop our television ministry and we're looking forward into the new year, as we're planning and uh, praying over what God would have us to do this year, we would like to know if this television program has been a blessing to you and your family as we make plans on the um, viability for the new year. If you would please... Call us or email us. Let us know if this uh, our service has been a blessing to your life as we make plans for this brand new year. Uh, I know that it's been a privilege to hear some of the results coming back. Some of you people that have given their heart to the Lord as a result of our ministry this year. But as we plan for the new year, we would love to know how this ministry is blessing your heart and your life. The family of Grace. It's our goal to continue to be a cross-cultural church and breaking social and racial barriers helping people become all that God's intended them for them to be. This morning, I hope this message will speak to your heart out of the book of John. If you have your Bible, if you'll turn there. And we pray that God will give you a word for this new year. I'm afraid today that far too many people in our own circles of influence, in our own circles of people that we run with, they live with a survival mentality and not a life of living. God did not bring you into this world create you in his image, destine you to be predestined in his image, and that you might just survive. That you might just get by. But that you would thrive and live life to its fullest. Now, I know the mental pictures that you're already having in your mind. Because we think living, if we're just living, Man, it means we're surrounded by things but let me tell you today i have met people in haiti i've met people in peru that didn't have anything literally were sleeping on dirt floors and 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 reeds of of, of mats over their ceiling is what the ceilings were nothing nothing no stove no refrigerator no anything but yet they were living But yet they were living. Living is not things. Living is purpose. You you can be surrounded by things and only be surviving. Most people who are surrounded by things are only surviving. Trying to figure out where they're going to get the money to get to the next month. Surrounded by things does not bring joy. It does not bring happiness. It may bring people. But it won't bring friends. Friends. It may bring people because people's always looking for something to do. And If you've got a lot of money and you're investing it, you may find yourself like the prodigal son, be surrounded by friends, but quit spending money on them and see where they end up. So what is the difference between living and surviving? I believe the difference between living and surviving is found in the one word that God has for your life this year. Everybody's word is different. If you're looking for something, if you're looking for about 70 pages to change your life, it's right here. I told the girls that I want to order them to read it and, and, and we're going to embrace this as a family and, and I remember I said, it's just 70 pages and she said, "But how little is it?" And so I opened it up and you can zoom in right here. you can see, man, it's just uh, it's big print. Can I get a witness? This book was written to be read in about 40 minutes. Now whether you want to whether you're ADD? And you want to do that 10-minute sections four times? Or if you're non-ADD people, you can sit down and grab it all at one time. So I began to look for this. I, I was going through this book and really went through it. And, and man, it really grabbed my heart and it grabbed my life. And as I was embracing that, realizing what it was that God was up to, I, I, was, I was thinking about the Scripture and what God was saying in the Scripture. And I thought about the life of Jesus. Now, if anybody knew what it was like to live life out in the stage of life that he was in, it was Jesus. We looked at it over the last several weeks in our sermon series, Dealing with Christmas, how Jesus knew what it was like to be a baby in a manger. He knew what it was like to be a kid in a carpenter shop. He knew what it was like... To have to pick up after dinner. He knew what it was like to grow up, and become a young man and and have a ministry. He knew what it was like to perform miracles. He knew what it was like to, to change the areas where he was. He knew what it was like. He knew what it was like going through all of those areas. And every one of those areas had a different perspective. Now what's interesting is that our life is the same way. Our life may have one directive one year and another directive the next year. Our life may be, it may be invested one way, one year, and another way the next year. Matter of fact, your life may be invested one way for half a year, another way the other half. In other words, what God's using your life for and the way, or wait a minute, the way God is using your life may change, but the what He's using it for never should. I've been talking to a pastor friend of mine who's in his early 50s and he's really struggling from health conditions and, and uh, we've been sending some guys to preach at his church from here at Family of Grace and he's really having a tough time and I was talking to him on the phone yesterday and he's struggling because he realizes that ministry kind of as he knows it is no longer going to be an option for him being a pastor, lead pastor of a church. So like for his life it may take on a whole different look. But the purpose is still the same What we were destined for is still the same we were destined to worship the Lord to love the Lord our God with all of our heart with all of our soul with all of our strength with all of our might and Love our neighbors as ourselves We were destined to worship God we were destined to to be made in his image. We were destined to worship God. We were destined to be an ambassador for Christ. We were destined to expand his kingdom. Now, there's many things that we do that's not who you are, but what you do may change. Matter of fact, what you, who you are is not what you do. Yet many people have those lines so skewed. Ask somebody, well, well who are you? And they'll say, well, I'm a banker. Well, who are you? Well, I'm a farmer. Well, who are you? I'm a preacher. Well, who are you? I'm a real estate agent. Who are you? I'm an educator. No, 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 no. Who are you? Not what do you do? You see, God didn't destiny you. He didn't create you for what you can do, but he created you for who you are. And if we get those lines crossed, it's like reversing the, the, the jumper cables on a battery when you're jumping a vehicle off and you get them crossed, bad things are going to happen. But yet if the polarity is right, there's a steady flow of current that just from those little cables can can take the power from one vehicle, move it to the power in another vehicle, and give it enough juice to jump it off and get it running. Cross those cables and see what you have. Something so simple can become such a tragedy. Now here's the thing I want you to understand today, my brothers and sisters, is that sometimes we just need a little jump start. We need to get the cable straight and say, Lord Jesus, I need you to infiltrate my life with your power. Not from some old clunker that may have a 12-volt battery in it, but from the power of the king of kings and the lord of lords god created you with a purpose god created you with a plan god created you to thrive god created you to live god did not create you to survive god did not create you to have to hunker down and get in survival mindset no god said i want you to stand up I want you to be accounted for. I want you to live. I want you to live well when everything's going right. I want you to live well when everything's going wrong. I want you to live for me when everybody's behind you. I want you to live for me when everybody's against you. I want you to live for me and thrive for the purpose that I created you for and existed you for, and God will begin to see great things happen in your life. I had an interesting conversation with a guy who was, in wealth management and uh, it manages people's wealth takes their money helps make them more money better investments i was talking to this guy and i said well maybe you can help me and he said well you know i'll be honest with you pastor i was like oh here it comes there's no help for me he said i really don't live by the principles that i Lead other people's finances by. I said do what? What kind of hypocrite is this? He said well people hire me to manage their wealth. To help multiply their wealth. So that their wealth can outlive them. He said but I really give most of mine away. He said we don't live for the future. We live for today. And as a result of always taking my wealth. And giving it away, God always has a way of giving it back. Now, boy, there's a concept. And see, it's not logical. Matter of fact, there's probably very few people that even know that. But he says, I can make people money that they can sit on it and hoard it so that they can survive one day in case they get sick, in case they get frail, so that somebody can take care of them when they're old. Or he says, I can take everything God gives me and invest it. And as a result of investing it, God always brings it back. There's a scripture I want to share with you. John chapter 12. Jesus had been doing all that Jesus had done. He came all the way from the manger to the carpenter shop, to the playground, to now the, 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 the sea where he gathered his disciples, put him a ragtag ministry team together. And, 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 it, and they began to move out. And man, they were seeing great things happen. And look what it says in John 12 and 20. Now, some Greeks were among those who went up to worship at this festival that they were having. And it's an interesting thing here. And it says So they came to Philippi, who was from, uh, to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and requested of him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Well,. Philip, knowing Jesus and knowing others, went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip talked about it, and then Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus, you've got these Greeks that are ready to see you. But Jesus replied to them, the hour has come. Would you circle that phrase in your Bible? No longer what Jesus was saying, it was a turning point. Now, now if if I could just give this to you physically here it was like jesus started here in the manger he started here as a toddler he lived here as a child he lived here as a young man he lived this way as a guy who had collected his disciples and then he had lived this way with his disciples doing ministry he healed the sick he raised the dead He made the blind to see and now they were going about life as they had always gone about it And so these guys came they wanted to see jesus and jesus always wanted to see everybody Jesus matter of fact, this is the only place in the bible That you will see that jesus turned somebody away But there was a transitional moment again now you remember here we've transitioned every 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 movement had a different look in the life of jesus and so now he's here, and Philip goes and tells Andrew. Andrew goes and tells Jesus, they got some Greeks that want to see you. But Jesus says, the hour has come. The hour has come that the Son of Man may be glorified. And Jesus turned his back and began to live in a transitional moment. Because every area of his life had a different look. It had a different purpose it had a different meaning. But from the very beginning, there was only one thing that he was destined to do. To glorify God. You remember he told Mary when he was a young boy, just a young whoopersnapper snapper starting out in the ministry. Mary, he ran out of wine and Mary said, Jesus, do something. And what did he say? Mom, my hour is not yet come. My hour has not yet come. But now Jesus says, the hour has come. He was doing what he was destined to do to glorify God and redeem mankind. He turned his back and from this point on, they began to march their way to Calvary. And Jesus said this to them, I assure you, I assure you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone by itself. But if it dies, it produces a large Now, I love what the word of, what it literally means here is to be planted. Unless a grain of wheat is is planted into the earth and it dies, it remains alone. Now, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture here, and there's a lot that I really like about this, and there's a lot that I like to preach about this passage, but I'm going to restrain this morning. Because there's the whole dividend of dying concept here. You know, if if, if the grain of of the kernel of wheat or the kernel of corn wanted to continue to live, it could not reproduce. But if it wants to die, it dies. If there's no moisture, if there's no life left in it, then it can bring forth great fruit. Matter of fact, but when when the kernels are strategically placed into the earth, great things begin to happen. You see the fields that are lined with crop after crop, row after row after row. The the, the seeds are, are strategically placed. It, as they place the seeds in the planter that they're putting the crop into the ground with, they have a, a, a mechanism in there that allows so many seeds to fall out at a time You take that calculation, add it to the ground speed of the tractor that is pulling that equipment, and you know how far apart the the kernel of corn or wheat or beans or cotton or whatever is going into the ground. That's why when you look at a field, you can see them. They're strategically placed. They're spaced apart. They're planted by purpose. And because they're planted by purpose, they bring forth great fruit. However, in the fall when harvest time comes and they go into that field with these big machines to harvest the crop, some few days or weeks after they harvest the crop, you can look in that same field and behind where that machine passed, there is crops that are coming back up, but they were not planted by purpose. They escaped out the back. It blew them out of the back as it separated the shaft from the grain. But nevertheless, because because the kernel is dead, it could bring forth life. Now the only thing that live kernels can do is sour. When pulled apart, all it can do is Sour. When separated from the life-giving substance of the plant, all that the ear can do, all that the kernels can do then is sour on their own. Because they're still life. But if, but if by happenstance that kernel dies when it is attached to the life-giving substance, when it is separated, stay with me because I'm fixing to make a point. When it is separated from the life-giving substance, the stalk that brought life to the kernels. When it is separated from the giver of life, because it died, it now can reproduce and live. Now I want you to know something today. That you and I, when we come to Christ, unless we, when we are attached to the giver of life, unless we are willing to die when separated from Christ, all we can do is sour. And there's a lot of sour people that run around in the name of Christianity. Can I get a witness? But don't shout any, out any names this morning. <coughs> but if, but if when one comes to Christ, he chooses to die, to die. To die, then when separated from the giver of life, he may live. Matter of fact, Jesus told his disciples just a couple of chapters over, I must go away. I need to go away, not for my sake, (coughs) but for your sake. For your sake, I need to go away. If I go away, then I will bring you the Helper. To help you and strengthen you. You say now pastor. What in the world does that have to do with me for the new year? I'm telling you today. I want to encourage you as your pastor. To grab hold of the mercy seat of God. To come running in the arms of Jesus. Run to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The giver of life. And say Lord I die to myself. I live to you. That I might live and be fruitful. That I might thrive and not just survive for any man that desires to save his life will lose it but anyone who loses it will save it is what the scripture says for any kernel of corn that says oh no oh no 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 I don't want to die he really can't live but for the one who's willing to die that my friends he can live in this new year, the one thing, go back with me to the life of Jesus. It pivoted, it looked different. He had a different thing for each stage in life. Just like for me. Last year, the the one thing that I believe God rang my bell upon was, was that I would become a disciplined man in many areas of my life. Sometimes, man, I was knocking it out of the park. Sometimes I was hitting a triple. Sometimes I was striking out. But you know what? I kept on swinging. I would get up when I connected with the ball, so to speak. I would be happy and march around the bases. When I struck out... I didn't go sit in the dugout and say, oh my, I've missed the mark. I can't do what I want to do. I can't do what I'm destined to do. Oh, woe is me. No sir, no ma'am. You get back up and you say, "Lord, Lord, I struck out. But you know what, God? I am back here again. I am swinging again. I want to keep on living out the life of discipline. For me this year, God's given me a new word. That new word for me. This year is balance. Is balance. As I've been praying about this and getting ready over the last several months, thinking about my word for the new year, God has reaffirmed through people, through scripture, and through prayer that He wants me to live a balanced life. That I can learn to balance my life as a husband, as a father, as a pastor. Balance my life in, 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 in escaping from from. from from the relentless grinding stone that we find ourselves under many times, that I would balance my relationship with Him, I would balance my love for Him, that I wouldn't just try to kill everybody around. It's all about balance. You know, as I think about this this morning, I remember the story of the young pastor who went to a church, and man, he, he got to church that day and only two guys showed up. And nevertheless, he reared back and let her, he preached hot, hard, and heavy and loud. And, and uh, man, he preached for over an hour. And afterwards, uh, one of the guys left the door and said, Pastor, that was a good message. He said, but you know, when I go out to the field, he said, I have a lot of cows in my pasture. He said, but if only one shows up, I don't give him the feed for the 50. you got a balance in my life this year, I need balance. I feel like there are some things that are running out of balance in my life. And I've just been already seeking the Lord. I'm excited about my word. I'm excited about what God is doing. How in the world did I come up with that? Well, I looked in first. There was an inward looking. An inward evaluation. The Bible says, let us examine ourselves. Let us own talk about our own shortcomings with ourselves. if you don't talk about them everybody else is so you might as well get in on it and try to figure it out and i began to seek the lord and and as i was looking inward i was examining my life and i was examining the areas that i was most frustrated in the areas that i was 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 struggling the most and i began to realize man i just felt like one week i would be this way and the next week i'd be this way it was just back and Back and forth, out of balance. Oh, wait a minute! I got it balanced. Oh, whoop, whoop. One kernel of corn drop, and the whole thing goes this way. And so, man, I begin to look inward, and I begin to see the areas in my life. And for Christ, that's exactly what he did. He looked inward. He said, "What is my purpose? My purpose is to glorify the Son." Of god i'm the son of god to glorify god that i may be glorified i began to look in and then after i realized okay here's where i think it is then i began to look up and i began to look up towards god and i began to say god you know is this is this is this an emotional thing is is this some passing theory like a resolution And I began to think about that, and I began to search the Lord, and I began to search the Scripture. And I began to say, God, what do I, what do you, what, (coughs) Lord, in this new year that's not even been touched yet, what is the thing that you are wanting to do the most in my life? And he spoke back, and he said, son, you need balance in your life. And you say, he talked to you like audibly like that? No, it was much louder. Balance means discipline, because you got to be de- disciplined to say I need to be balanced. I began to realize that as a husband, I need to be balanced. As a father, I need to be balanced. As a as a as a son of God, I needed balance in my life. In other words, I didn't I, did, I didn't need to 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 to, to um, hit it hot hard and heavy studying the scripture like just overkill man for for two or three weeks and then have two or three weeks where I was, ah, you know, this and that and and just barely studying the Scripture. No, just balance. You know, somebody once said, slow and steady wins the race. So as I looked in, I began to examine my own shortcomings. As I looked up, God began to confirm my own shortcomings. But you see, I had to be willing to say, okay, God, I hear you, now I'm willing to submit to you. you know what that word submit means? To yield oneself to the authority of another. So now I have to yield myself to the authority of Christ so that he may be glorified in my life. So that my life, so that my race, so that my faith would be one. That he could find honor in. That he could find use in. That he could find strength in. That God could be honored in everything I say and do. So that after I have loved the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. And try to love my neighbor as myself. That I wouldn't have been a bad witness. But I would have been a witness. that would it be bringing glory and honor to the King of Kings. This morning, if this message is spoke to your heart, I pray that you will seek the Lord with all your heart, with all your might, with all your mind and with all your strength as to what is his direction for your life this year. Just begin by meditating and praying, seeking the Lord, asking him, Father, what is your direction for my life this year? If we can help you pursue that, help you in any way at Family of Grace, it would be a joy and a privilege to be able to do that and partner with you in your life.